Hey everyone, Don here. Welcome to another episode of Friday Night Stripes. Tonight, I've got uh, Jeff Granger with me. Jeff is an umpire within the CFOA, and not only an umpire, but doing some white hat now as well. Correct, Jeff? Yeah, that's right. All right, great. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining. I, I, I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, um, so I've worked with Jeff on uh, a handful of games. We probably worked five or six games together, maybe even more than that. Um, and, and, uh, I've always appreciated the way Jeff handles the umpire position. And one thing we haven't talked a lot about on, on Friday night stripe so far is the umpire position. We've talked about every other position, but not the umpire position. So wanted to bring Jeff along, have him give his story, how, how he got along and, and then give us some insight into what, what the field looks like from, from that position. So Jeff, how, how did you get into officiating? What what got you going? You know, it's funny that I've sort of caught the officiating bug really, really early. Um, you know, where I grew up, we didn't have a lot of football, so I played soccer as a youngster. And I can remember being as young as 10, 11 years old and going up to the soccer officials and saying, how do I do what you do? Um, right. So... As, as early as middle school, I started uh, officiating soccer. I then got into basketball, again, because that was a sport that was available to me. Um, and then started doing a little bit of football once I got into high school. Um, and then, I, unfortunately, or fortunately, one way, depending on how you look at it, I worked a lot of jobs over the years that weren't typical nine-to-five jobs, and so I couldn't really officiate because most things happen in the evenings and I was working till seven or eight o'clock at sure. night. And so it was, uh, you know, in the last 15 years or so that uh, I've been able to really get into doing football, which was always my first love as a sport, even though I couldn't play it very as a super young guy until I got into high school. Um, and so as soon as I could, I joined up with the CFOA and, and, and have uh, enjoyed it ever since. And, and, and that's that's one interesting thing about soccer is is this is my second year in soccer right now, uh, officiating and that the stories I do hear from other officials about how they got started, you know, as middle schoolers, as high schoolers. That's one thing that you see in in soccer that you don't see in in a lot of other sports, um, and and it's really great I think for for bringing bringing more people into officiating to start them at that age. Um, and and I certainly think we could do that in football and have have some middle and high schoolers doing Pop Warner games. Yeah, I agree completely. And I mean, soccer, it, it is a far more prevalent youth sport, I think, is part of the reason why sure. it's, it's, it's almost the gateway sport for so many people. You know, the first thing that they play, you know, I got really good at popping the linesman's flag over the years. <laughs> I haven't done soccer <laughs> in years, but I bet but I bet I could still do it. Um but uh, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think uh, you know there there are a lot of kids uh, that I talk to doing pop Warner games that I think could make good officials if they were given the right encouragement. Oh sure, sure. So um, radio being a, a, an audio medium and not a visual medium, the the image of of you talking about playing soccer when you were young and me knowing how tall you are. What uh, was a very vivid image. So, so how were how tall are you now, and how big were you when you were playing soccer? So I'm six four now, um, and I've been this height probably since about seventh grade. Believe it or wow. not. Wow. Um, so, um, so I was a big kid. Football coaches came looking for me. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, I've I've always been a a pretty big guy, kind of the biggest guy on the team in any given circumstance. Uh, unfortunately, in the soccer realm, that I also was the slowest guy, sure. uh, so that didn't always that didn't always translate. I was a, you know I was always a defenseman, uh, wasn't really athletic enough to be a goalie, even though my size might have lent itself to that. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. I I, I had you envisioned. I did envisioned as a center back, um, yeah. you know, clean, cleaning it up for everybody because of your size. So so Definitely. no, that, that 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 was a great visual surprise there. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so um so 
Like I said, we've talked on, on, on here about the various positions. Um, and I haven't talked about umpires. So I, I did a couple episodes just by myself on the wings and on back judge because I've done those enough. And they're similar enough that I feel comfortable talking about each one. Um, but umpire is unique. Um, it, it's even unique from referee, even though they're both right there in the middle of the field. Um, let, let's start with let's start with what the game looks like. Because the, the the various listeners out there, some of them may have worked as umpires, some of them may not. But how does the game feel right there in the middle? I've worked maybe five or six games as an umpire myself, but it'd be much better coming from you as far as what. What does the game feel like there in the middle of it as opposed to on the wings? Well, one thing that I try, I tell a lot of people um, when I, who are getting into umpire or maybe haven't done it before is that if you approach officiating a football game like you watch a football game on TV, then umpire is not for you because you are not going to see the big catches. You're not going to see the breakaway runs. Those sure. things happen behind you. And if you see them, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> right. um, so uh, because ball watching, and it's true for every position on the field, but particularly for umpire, ball watching is, is absolutely the, the death knell for doing it the right way. Um, you know, I, I played, when I played football, I was mostly an offensive lineman. Um, but what I try to tell people is that, uh, you know, if you were a linebacker, that's kind of what your view is for most of the time. Um, you're focused on the, the offensive and defensive line almost exclusively. Um, and, and it, you know, when you first start, I think guys can get really intimidated by it because it's kind of the one position where you are in the middle of it at, on every single down, on every single play. Sure. Um, I had one of our referees who used to be an umpire. I, this has always stuck with me, um, but I think it's a good description for both positions. He told me, you know, when I learned that when I moved from umpire to referee and I learned you could stand where they're running away from you instead of running towards you, I thought that was a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the play is coming towards you, whether it's where, whether it's the runner, whether it's just the blockers, it's coming towards you and, um, and knowing and having a good sense of what's around you and what's coming towards you and knowing to move and being able to feel the play and being able to move around and move out of the way is a, is a super important skill. So, you know, if that gives you the idea of what it feels like, there are right. always players all around you. There, you almost have to have a sixth sense. Um, it's almost like the quarterback moving in the pocket, but on the opposite side. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I always say I, I, I very rarely get hit in, and I very rarely get hit, period, but I feel like I have a better chance of not getting in the way at varsity games where the players know where they're going and know where they're supposed to be. And, and because they know where they're supposed to be, I know where they're supposed to be, as opposed to a freshman game where people are, or a pop order game where they're all brand new to football. They don't know where to go, so I don't know how to get out of their way. <laughs> right, right. So, so that that's a very common question, I'm sure, for umpires is how many times you've been hit or, or that sort of thing. I'm going to ask a slightly different question. How many times okay. have, you been, have you been hit with a pass? Um, maybe two or three times, not okay. a lot. Yeah. Um, and and what I will say about that is that doesn't mean I haven't had class close calls and that doesn't mean I haven't had balls headed straight for my head. Sure. But I feel like I, <laughs> I've developed reflexes enough to, to duck at the right time. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Cause, cause I, I, I'm sure that's a very common question is how, how, how often do you get hit there in the middle? And, and the, the, I think it's very true of umpires. If you haven't gotten hit as an umpire, then it's just coming. You're, it's going to happen at some point. Um, getting yeah, hit by it, by, it by a defensive player or the running back running right at you. Right. It, it absolutely is, and will. It has happened, and it will happen again. Um, but I feel like you know, as I've gained experience, as I've worked more games, gotten more snaps, 
I've, I've, you learn more and more every day how to avoid them and, and how to be in the right place so that doesn't happen to you. But again, sure. there's always going to be a circumstance where someone's not doing what they're supposed to do and, and you have trouble getting out of the way. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about, about what you're looking for as an umpire because as a wing official, as a back judge, the, 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 the mentality is I'm looking for a line of scrimmage foul. I'm looking for, for pre-snap line of scrimmage fouls. I'm looking for motions. Um, after the snap, I'm looking for maybe uh, holds on the edge. And then I'm pretty much pass interference or maybe maybe a little bit of, um, you know, r- quarterback by the line of scrimmage when he throws the pass. Th- those are really the only things. There, there's a couple others that might mix in there. But the mentality of an umpire is completely different. And that's what I found when, whenever I've gone in the position, it's like, okay, Remember exactly what you're looking for here. So when, when you're lined up, first offensive play of the game, what are, what are you looking for? Well, the, the first thing, which sounds simple, but, you know, is you're counting the offense. Um, and particularly in a, in a five-man crew, um, you and the referee are the only two people doing that. So you want right. to make sure you got 11. Um, pre-snap, you know, you count – and, and this is really a, a, a first – you ask what's on the first offensive series, and this is absolutely that, is that I'm counting to make sure I have five players with ineligible numbers, right, um, sure. that, are, that are on the offensive line. Now, um, I, I can't tell you that I've probably ever thrown a flag uh, for, for that, uh, for, for not having the right numbers, and I can't tell you that I – count that every single snap um, because generally once the offensive line is in there and you know who they are, you don't need to check on them every single play. Right. Um, but definitely on that first play, five players numbered 50 through 79. And, and I try to, on both teams, not only recognize numbers, but start to recognize faces and uh, recognize who these guys are because I'm going to be working with them all night. And it's helpful if I know, if I know who they are. Right. Um, and so once you've identified those, the people who are not eligible, that makes it super easy to know who is eligible. Um, now, the wide receivers are not anything I'm going to care about, um, but it is important to glance over to the wing guys so I know if I've got a tight end who's covered or not. Um, and so because ineligible downfield um, is the umpire's call. So you need to know need to know who's eligible and who's not because if they're downfield obviously that's a foul you need to know about sure so those are kind of my my pre-snaps um i'm also you know again hopefully you've done this before the game even started but you're checking for equipment Mm -hmm. you know the umpire is the authority on equipment um but you know you're checking to make sure you know chin straps are snapped and mouthpieces are in and um and that's, and that's inclusive of not just the offensive line um, that's your primary uh, responsibility, but, um, you know, I'm gonna, I, I always check to see if the quarterback has snapped up and got the mouthpiece in because they're the ones who are going to be most likely to not be properly equipped. Right, um, right. As and, and I'm the only one looking at his face because the referee's looking at his back. Um, so that's kind of the, my, my pre-snap routine. Um, and then I try to, you know, find the sweet spot of where you want to be. You know, you want it to be, you know, five to eight yards um, behind the defense. Um, so generally right behind or right in front of the linebackers. I generally try to be behind the linebackers. And I usually tell the middle linebacker that he's going to be my blocker all night and that he's responsible for keeping me safe, (laughs) (laughs) which is not really true, but it helps, you know, establish that rapport because you're going to be standing next to that guy all night. Um, And and he can be a a help and a a hindrance to you if, uh, if you, if you work with him. Um, you also try to, when you, when you find that spot where you're going to stand, you don't want to obstruct the linebackers or the defensive back's view. Um, so, you, sh- you know, I shift left, right, forward, back based on where they are. And I'll tell the defensive backs pretty early on, you know, if I'm standing in your way, tell me, but also tell me, like, which way to go. 
you know, having a defensive back yell at me, you know, hey, ref, you're in my way, doesn't help me because I don't know which direction to go. Right. So, hey, you know, hey, ref, can you, shoot, can you take a step to the left? Can you take a step to the right? I'm happy to do that. Right. Right. Um, no, I, I, and and do you what, when you line up behind the linebackers? Because that's usually where I find myself is is usually around that guard center gap, maybe a little wider, depending on uh, depending on if I'm trying to move my spot around a little. But usually, mm-hmm. right, you know, a step or two behind the linebackers. If you've got a middle linebacker who you know didn't see you get in there for whatever reason, you came in late or he moved in late or whatever. Do you give that verbal cue of, hey, I'm right here, um, just so yeah, that he I, knows where you are? Yeah, I, I, gen- I generally try to do that. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it's feasible and sometimes it's not. If right. there's a, right. a, late, a late shift and he moves in the way. But, you know, I also, if, if the linebacker comes in and, and he doesn't see me but I see him, I just move. And, you know, um, yeah. and, and either take a step back, usually, so that I'm still behind him. Um, but I, I find that that happens more often, especially at the high school level with defensive backs who are coming in and, and reading run, um, who will either shift for a receiver in motion or, or a defensive back who's kind of cheating up uh, because, you know, he, he knows that there's going to be a run. Those are the ones who generally are going to run into me or me run into them. Um, and so I, I try to look out for them. And 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 you made a couple of points there about positioning that are good is I try to vary. I don't ever want to, you know, be in the same spot the entire game. Um, right. And that's for a couple of different reasons because, you know, you're going to get different views at, at different times of different players and you want to make sure you keep an eye on everyone. But you also don't want the offense to start to use you as a pick or use you as, as part of the field. Um, so you, you try to vary it up a little bit and 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 i try to you know line up between the the guard and tackle opposite the referee depending on what side the the referee is is on depending on if you have a right-handed or left-handed quarterback um but again that that's not that's hardly hard and fast because one of the very first things i need to do that i judge on is the legality of the snap so regardless of where you're standing you need to be able to see the snap see the ball Right. Um, and so if they have a, a nose guard that's lined up right over center every single time, then I need to shift to a diagonal to be able to see that ball. Um, but if, you know, if they generally have those tackles that are on the guards or even wider, then sometimes I'll be head up right over center, and, and that's okay too. Right, right. So that's that's all the the pre snap preparation getting into into place. The uh, the one part I struggle with when whenever I end up in the umpire position is after the snap. So what what looking for looking for the different blocks and looking for the interior holding and all stuff that I'm not used to looking for on a on a game in game out basis. So can you go over those those aspects of it? Sure. Um, so the First of all, your key is the center and the guards. And if you can get the tackle, great. But, you know, and, and generally you can, um, particularly if it's the, uh, if the running play is going towards the tackle and you're tracking it. But the key is the center and the guards. So you want to, particularly the guards, you want to, first thing you want to see is are they firing out or are they dropping back? And that's the first read to read if, they're, if it's a run or a pass. Um, and so if you read run, if they're firing out and run blocking, then, you know, you want to sort of peek at the running back to kind of know where they're going. You don't want to be a ball watcher, but, um, if the offside guard and tackle are grabbing jerseys, I don't really care so much because that's not affecting the play. So sure. knowing where the ball is coming is important. Um, but again, but so so you're scanning the line. You don't want to be a ball watcher. You don't you're run, you're not responsible for what the running back is doing. But if you don't know where the ball is going, then you don't know who's holding. <laughs> because, right, right. You know, hold, holding ten yards away from the play is not holding. Um, I, I know some people might disagree with what I with that point, but um, <laughs> if if they're not gaining an advantage by whatever they're doing, to me, that's, you know, that's not going to be a foul. You're looking for the point of attack um, and you're looking for anything that is, 
you know, illegally impeding a defender to get to the ball carrier. Um, sure. And, and, and that can take uh, several different forms. The, the easiest one is your, you know, the one you, you, the, the grandmother call, the one that the grandmother in the top row can see is when an offensive lineman grabs a hold of a defensive lineman's jersey after he's been beat and, and pulls him down to the ground. You know, everyone's going to throw that flag. Right. Um, but, you know, anything that's, that is, uh, you know, getting outside the body, that is, you know, getting arms around the shoulder pads and directing a defensive lineman one way or the other um, at the point of attack where the ball carrier is going, uh, that's what you're going to try to look for. Um, as far as holding and, and any kind of blocking-related uh, penalties. Um, the other thing, um, you know, that's, that I struggled with um, when I first started doing it um, was thinking about the free blocking zone um, right. because, you know, you're, there are times, and, and that's, it's easy um, for offensive and defensive linemen, right? You know that if their initial motion is low, then that's legal. The way you struggle is, is if it's the linebackers are in the free blocking zone and they are either blocked low or go low and determining whether that's legal or not. And you get a lot. That's one of the things you hear from coaches, you know, almost every game is, you know, they're, they're blocking at the knee. They're blocking my linebackers. They're blocking my defensive backs at the knees. Um, and that's, you know, on a five-man crew, that's super hard to get. And, you know, you need to hopefully have your wing guys will help you out with that. But kind of doing a quick checklist in your mind about who's in the free blocking zone and who's not. And, again, nine times out of ten, it's the offensive and defensive line and nobody else. But if, the, if a linebacker is sneaking up, sometimes they're going to be in that free, free blocking zone as well. So right. they can be blocked low. And so that's another thing that's important to keep an eye out for. So when, when you're looking for the, those blocks below the waist and those chop blocks, are those – so I, I'll equate it to something I do as a wing, and that is my first glance is, is usually up at that tackle, um, and, and I watch him for about a second, and I see what he's doing with the defensive end. Um, and if, it, if he's getting beat, um, I'll stay with him a little longer because to me that's a signal that, hey – I've got a a potential hold coming here because he's beat. He may do something here, but if he's, if the, if the defensive end comes straight into him, then I'm like, okay, I see that contact. I'm good there. Let me continue on with the rest of my, my keys. It, when it comes to blocking below the waist illegally, so outside the free blocking zone or, or for a player that was outside the free blocking zone at the snap or a, or a chop block, um, is it does it stand out or do are you looking for indicators so the ones that stand out are the so if you're if the blocker's initial motion is not low if he blocks high and then goes low that stands out uh, okay. you know i i i will i will see that and and the chop block as well if if someone's going high low you know, if if you've got a one a guard that blocks high and a tackle that goes low, you're going to see that pretty easily. Um, and if you don't, um, you're going to hear about it pretty quickly, and sure. then and then you'll get it the next time because the the defensive players are are going to let you know that that's happening. Um, it is, you know, if it's happening away from the ball, sometimes you you know then those are the ones that you might miss the first time, but you got to try to make sure you don't miss the second time. Right. Um, and, and, and again, you know, as, as opposed to what I said about holding, where if they're holding on the backside of the play, I'm not really going to care. If, they're, if they are chop blocking and doing something dangerous, even if it's on the other side of the play, you do need to care, but those are harder to get. Um, right. Because your attention, your attention is the other direction. And that's when, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it. If a defensive lineman comes up to me and says, Hey, he's blocking me low. I'm going to watch that. I'm, I'm going to listen to that and, and, and watch that the next couple of plays um, and, and maybe, and, and check in on it throughout the game. 
I know that, uh, you know, those defensive guys, you know, I try to, both offensive and defensive guys, I want to have a dialogue with them. I know uh, some officials will, you know, won't want to listen to what the guys are telling them, but that's good intel. I mean, and, you know, sure, they're going to work you, and they're going to try to, you know, there's, you'll get a guy, you know, you'll get a linebacker who will tell you he's getting held on every play, and, you know, I'll just tell him, no, you're not. You know, maybe you don't know what holding is, but, right. but no, right. you're not. Um, but, but I want guys to tell me, hey, you know, they're going low on me because maybe I did miss it, and, but I won't miss it the next time um, if they tell me about it. And I'll tell them, hey, I'll keep an eye out for it. But, but just so you know, if I'm watching them blocking you low, I'm watching you doing things too. So, right. um, so, so yeah, so those are, those are a little bit hard to get. But if, if, if the, the ones that are the initial contact um, that are legal, I see every time. If the initial contact is up and then they go low, I see those pretty much uh, every time uh, that they happen. The ones that are a little bit harder are ones where, you know, if you have a pulling guard and a blitzing linebacker um, and, they, and they go low away from the play, then, then sometimes that's a little bit more difficult to see. Sure, sure. So you, you talked about something that, that I, uh, another aspect that I wanted to get into. As, as a wing official, um, as far as game management, the game management for a wing official is the coaches. Um, to some degree, it'll be uh, the, the wide receivers and the defensive backs sometimes, but I don't talk to them a lot. Um, but I, I, I'm constantly talking to the coaches over there. That is completely different to the game management you have to do as an umpire. So talk a little bit about what you're you, – you've already talked about building that rapport. How does that go throughout the game? And and it, I know it's a case of getting in there after tackle, saying, okay, roll off or, or let them up or things like that. What? How do you approach your game management? Well, I, I try to very early on in the game when, you know, we're just getting started and no one's winning, no one's losing, you know, everyone's just excited to be out there, is when I try to, you know, kind of start talking to you know, my first two priorities are the center and if there's a middle linebacker, because those are the two guys I'm going to be working with the most. And I'll go up and say, hey, great night for football. You know, great to see you guys out here. You know, I'll tell them who I am and, you know, tell them, uh, you know, especially with the offensive linemen, I'll tell them, you know, don't throw me the ball because I was an offensive lineman like you and I can't catch it. You know, I'll make little <laughs> jokes and, and, and establish those rapports with those guys pretty early. Again, I mentioned I'll tell the middle linebacker, hey, you're my blocker all night. You're in charge of keeping me safe. And that just kind of, you know, that'll, you know, just open that line of dialogue. I think some play, you know, sometimes players have been taught by their coaches or are just intimidated by the fact that they can't talk to the officials. And I don't want that. I want to have a conversation. And I'll tell them early on, you know, if, if, you, got, if you have a question, if something's going on, tell me about it. Because, you know, you know there's 11 of you and only five of us. Um, so, so let's work together on this. And so, you know, some players, obviously, every player is different. Everybody's got a different personality. But generally, you know, if you start having those conversations early in the game, before emotions and tempers are flaring, um, then, you know, you can have that relationship when the tempers do start to flare, um, you know, then those guys can be on your side, you know, particularly the centers and the guards. They don't get a, probably as much attention as, as some of the other players on the field. So if they know I'm there for them, I'm one of them, and I've got their back, then they're also going to get my back. And, you know, I can say, hey, you know, on that last play, you're, you know, you're running back, you know, was John at the defensive backs, you know, can you help me take care of him? You know, they're on, you know, they'll help you out. They'll be on your side and, and they'll go into the huddle and say, Hey, you know, he heard what you said, you know? Um, so, so, so I try to start that off really early. And then you, you talked about uh, the other thing is, you know, once the play is over, you know, being on top of the pile and now you've got guys that you haven't talked to all game. You've got the running backs, you've got the wide receivers, you've got the defensive backs and, 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 you know, just saying, letting them know, Hey, the play's over, you know, roll up easy, you know, you know, take it easy on the other guy. And it's, it's probably less instructive as, as much as it is just letting them know that I'm there and that the, and that my presence and by letting them know that I'm there and that my, that I'm there, then they're less likely to do things they probably shouldn't be doing. Um, 
you know, obviously I, I don't want them, you know, I don't want them pushing off each other. I tell them to, you know, push off on the ground, you know, you know, hand me the ball. I want them to do all those things. Um, but just doing it in, in a friendly way, but in a way that lets them know that I'm there, uh, tends to keep things from bubbling up that, you know, later on, because they know I'm going to be there at the end of every play. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, and trying to work with the, the running backs as well, because nobody wants to chase the ball all over the ground. So, you know, after the first couple of plays saying, hey, you know, hand me the ball every time and I'll get it spotted so you can keep your offense running, um, you know, is, is another thing that I try to do. Sure. So I'll also say, I'll also say, you know, at the end of the game, if I'm not a horse from talking too much, uh, you know, I feel like I haven't done it right. Cause, right. You know, and it's not like, and I don't want to, I'm not yelling at the guys. I don't no. want to yell at them aggressively, but you know, there's a lot of noise. The band's playing, you got 11 players. So sometimes I'm talking nicely, but I'm talking loud. And then by the end of the game, I'm not talking at all because I've run out of voice. Right, right. No, that, I, I, I will say when, whenever I've done umpire, that's, that, that's one of the nice um, change-ups that you get is, especially if you've got a, a, a good group of players that, that are that are there to compete and and there to have fun, um, and and it, it, it's not a fifty-two to ten blowout to where one side's just angry or 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 deflated the whole time. Um, is you 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 get to have some good conversations and and you're you're not having a whole you're not telling stories or anything, but you you get to build a nice rapport with the the those players in the middle. So that makes for a pretty nice night. So I, I do enjoy and, that aspect of it. Yeah, and and you know we you know one of the things that you know you always want to talk about is dead ball officiating, and that's you know I take the time during timeouts you know where it's my job to stand over the ball, you know to you know the center's going to be right there too waiting for the play to start and the and the and the guards you know that I'll take that time in between the, you know, the 30 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever it is, and just have a little conversation, you know, and, and sometimes conversations carry out throughout the entire game, you know, 10 seconds at a time in between downs. But, um, you know, I'll ask the, for example, I'll ask the center, you know, where he wants the laces on the ball um, and then try to spot the ball. Like if he wants the laces on the right-hand side, so they're on his fingertips, like most of them do, I'll try to spot the ball so that the laces are on his right-hand side every time. And I'll tell him, you know, I'm not going to get it right every time. I'm going to forget. But, you know, I'll do my best to try to, to spot it that way for you. Um, you know, that's just a, it's a super easy thing for me to do, but also a super, you know, it gets you, you know, again, establishes that rapport and lets them know that, you know, I'm there to, you know, make the game run smoother for everybody. And does that not also help with um... – they don't have to handle the ball as much. They don't have to move the ball around as much when they get in to do exactly. their snap. And, and, and I know we, we're not, uh, most of the time we're not super um, tight on calling it. You know, if they picked up the ball to move it just right or anything like that, we're, we're not super tight about that. But anytime you can put the ball in the right position to where the ball manipulation can be less, the less problems you're going to have. Hundred percent right. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, if they don't have to flip it around themselves, if it's already in the right spot, that's just one less chance for there to be a snap infraction. Right. Right. So, of of all those things we talked about, is there is there anything else you wanted to add about about the umpire position itself? Um, the one thing that I try to stress to new umpires, and it kind of goes back to, you know, what I said being. Um, you know, being a horse at the end of the game, is that you, you're in the middle of the field. There's, and so you are, you know, be the communications hub for the entire crew. Um, you know, if, if the wings are signaling across to each other and maybe they're getting crossed up, I'm going to be on one side of the field or the other, uh, you know, throughout the game. So I can help out and, and, and you know, get guys on the same page relay the down every single down, you know, to everybody, you know, everybody, I know everybody does that and is supposed to do that, but you know, if it goes, if all the communication who goes through the umpire, who's in the center, he can be, he can make sure that everybody's on the same page. And then, you know, and then, you know, obviously penalty enforcement is, is a, 
a crew job, but it's the umpire is the one who's marking them off. So if you got to know if there's if you know nothing else, <laughs> if you don't do anything, if you don't throw a single flag or blow a single whistle the entire game, but mark every penalty off correctly, uh, you know you've done a good job. So um, that's you know I, I try to tell everybody that you know know the penalty enforcement and 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 be the communications hub uh, to let to keep the entire crew on task and to keep the players on task. Sure, sure. That, that that's absolutely true. I know. I know. I've tried to pass messages to the other wing through the umpire, um, just because there's no other chance except maybe at timeouts to get to that other wing. Um, right. So I try and use the back judge or the umpire to get that message o- across the field, um, especially if if I know we're having trouble with with maybe on my side we've got a guy who just can't get his self lined up properly. Right, um, and and that happens more often than, than I care to admit sometimes. <laughs> right. Well, and 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 that's you bring up another good point is that from the umpire spot, I'm not gonna know if your defensive lineman is in the neutral zone um, unless he's really in the neutral zone. But if you jog in between downs and tell me loud enough so that he can hear it, so the player can hear it, hey, you know, 98's lined up in the neutral zone, you know, get him to move back, then he'll hear that, he'll do that that next play. But then the play after that, I can say, I can remind him and say, hey, you know, don't forget, you got to, you know, you got to be a step back. So, you know, I, I may not know that they're lining up wrong, but I can help get them right. Yeah, yeah, and and that that that's usually the most help is – it, the sideline I'm on, I can get their lineman set up right. All I got to do is call a coach over and say, hey, he's not getting in the right position. That's easy. It's the opposite scenario where it becomes really hard because then the coaches are in your ear because he's lined up offside, and you don't want to throw it the first time. You you want to try and get sure. him in position, but that's hard. Um, so, right. so I'll, I'll be yelling it out beforehand. I'll be yelling it out afterwards. So getting the umpire involved to help help with that communications always a, a, a big big help in getting that done so uh, right. so uh, of the past season is is there any specific play or any scenario that that jumps out at you as, as something that was a little odd or something that's a good teaching play or, or just just a good play to talk about um well one thing that I it wasn't I think it was this season where I had two games in a row. And this is, and I, I bring this up because it's unusual, and and I also bring it up to make a to make the point that there on a five man crew, the umpire is the one position where there is a circumstance that he in which he does every where he has responsibility for every part of the game, and I'll explain what I mean by that in that on a busted try, mm-hmm. on a five man crew, you've got one of the wing guys under the goalpost. So if a try is busted and the play goes to the side where the, where the wing guy is underneath the goalpost, then the umpire has goal line responsibility in that, in that one, that's the one and only circumstance where the umpire has a goal line responsibility. And that actually happened on, on, two, ga- on two games in a row that I worked last year. Sure. Which it almost, ne- it almost never happens where there's a busted try and, you know, either the snapper or the kicker, whoever, runs a sweep out the left-hand side, the line judge is under the goalpost, and all of a sudden I've got to come up and, and rule on uh, whether the try is good or not over the goal line. Um, so that almost never happens, and you almost, and, but if you don't think about it and if you don't plan ahead for it, then, you'll, then no one will be on the goal line when the guy crosses and, and no one will know what happens. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, so I, I always, I bring that up probably the first couple in the pregame, the first couple of games of every season, just to say, Hey, you know, this happens. Um, and then everyone looks at me crazy, like it's never going to happen, but it happened to be in two consecutive games last year. Um, so I, so I bring that up, um, always, you know, and then the other thing, this is not particularly a play, but I also just to, to emphasize the point that the umpire is the one position where he does everything. Uh, at one point during the game, and people will tell me, well, no, they, they never have uh, forward progress, but umpire does have forward progress on the, on the kickoff. 
um, yeah. if the play comes to his side. So that's the one and only time I'll ever get forward progress. Um, and then the, the other play that I always uh, bring up that happened in the playoffs um, to me that is now three years ago, um, and I think it was a quarterfinal game, but it might have been a semifinal game, is the one and the only time I've had a foul for assisting the runner. Ooh. Um, <laughs> and so um, I always replay it in my head, and, and, and I'll, I'll explain the play, but I'll, before I do that, I will never – I, you know, I threw the, I saw it. I knew that I had it. I threw the flag. But you know, in that moment, you're like, no one ever calls this. It's a playoff game. It's a scoring play. And what have I just done? Did I completely right. blow this? <laughs> so, I will say, uh, my one of my most favorite moments as an official was I threw the flag. The play ended. One wing runs into me and says, "Did you just, did, you just got assisting the runner, didn't you?" The other wing runs in and says, hey, did you just throw a flag for assisting the runner? And then the back judge runs in and says, hey, was that assisting the runner? <laughs> so it just in that moment, you felt so good because you weren't the only one who saw it. You right. had three other guys who saw it, too, and, and were happy to see it. So I'll, I'll tell you what the play was is we, you know, the running back had, you know, probably three defenders on him. One of those circumstances where the running back's just churning his legs. And he's turning towards the goal line, and um, and you know you're not sure if he's going to make it in or not. He's at the two or the three yard line, and there was a wide receiver who came around, came over, grabbed the runners basically by the armpits, and started pulling backwards, pulling the runner backwards into the into the end zone. Right. Um, and and the 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 running the wide receiver pulled by the armpits, the runner into the end zone. Um, and so, we, you know, that score didn't count, and uh, it was a good call, and, and we saw it on tape the next week. Um, but it's one of those moments where you're just, oh, my gosh, what have I just done? <laughs> um, but but felt really good once uh, all my crew members came in and, and, uh, and, and verified the, the, the call that I made. Sure, sure. So let's let's real quick let's talk about helping the runner the the actual foul, uh, and and I, we rarely call it, it. First, it's rarely called, as you said. Right. Um, where it's easy to call is the scenario that you listed, where the the a, a player will come in and pull the runner forward, pull the runner in the direction he's trying to go. Um, where it does not get called a lot and it probably should not get called a lot unless there's a very significant circumstance is when they push the runner in the direction they want to go. Because the foul does actually read push, pull, or lift is helping the runner. So we, we I don't think I've ever seen it called when it's a push. And I think the, the rationale behind that is the runner's already going that direction and was he pushing the runner or was he pushing the pile? So those are those are some of the different things you look for. But is there is there a scenario you can think of in your head where you would call uh, helping the runner when when they're actually pushing the runner? Um, you know, I agree. You know, if it's one of those student body left, student body right plays where it's a huge pile and the whole pile is moving, and sure there are guys pushing on both sides, absolutely, I would not call it. I would say if, you know, if you, if it was almost a one-on-one -on -one circumstance where the runner, you know, had run directly into the defender and it's almost a stalemate, sure. and then you had another offensive player who then got in behind the runner and started making, almost making it a, you know, a two-on-one um, pushing in one direction. I, I could see myself calling that um, where it was clearly, you know, just, one player pushing on another player into the defender. Right. Um, that I that I could see calling, but yeah, that, I mean, to your point, that would it would need to be a circumstance where it was out in the open, um, where it wasn't just a huge pile that was moving in all kinds of directions. Because you have, you know, eleven guys on eleven guys. You know, that's that to me is not a foul. Um, right. But you know, one guy pushing another guy is 
it would be in my in sure my sure the 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 other scenario i came up with in my mind and and again now that now that we've envisioned it it'll happen because that's the way it right. always works you talk about it and it comes to life is similar scenario where there's not a lot of people but you've got an offensive player who comes running full speed into the back of the runner that would be a really mm -hmm. obvious really easy one to sell because you can sit sure. there and say that's safety right there yeah that's right. a safety foul right there so I, I that's the only other scenario i can come up with that okay yeah that's that that one i could call helping the runner on. and and you know in the circumstance where i actually called it and in kind of the circumstances we've talked about you know this is almost never a premeditated oh no yeah, yeah. Know, it's, it's it, no no one planned to do it that way it's you know, it, it's it's a circumstance where you know I want to help my guy, and this is a way I can do it. Um, so that's you know, the, the the one where the guy runs up full steam behind him. That's almost has to, that's almost a little bit too premeditated in my mind to actually happen. Again, <laughs> like you said, now now that you've said it, it'll happen. So. Now, yeah, it, it'll be in a freshman game, and nobody will see it. <laughs> right. So, right. Right. So okay, yeah. now now. Last last question for you between you, me, and the wall, because nobody's listening, so you can say whatever no, you want. <laughs> what what is your rationale? What is your criteria for spotting the ball on the on on a yard line versus off a yard line? If if I come in as a wing official and I give you a three quarter yard line, and it's going to be second and six, do you do you regularly? put it on the, the full hash if you've got a hash there? Not on second and six. No. Okay. If you, if, you, if you come in with me on a, you know, on a three-quarter and, it, and, it's, and it's second down going to be third down or first down going to be second down, yeah, I'll put it wherever you tell me to put it. Okay. Um, on, a on a first down, I'm going to, unless, unless it's really in between two hash marks, it's going to go on a hash mark. Right, right. And um, I think, I actually think you and I had one this year where it was fourth down and they were short by a quarter yard and I put my foot down a quarter yard short. And of course, we've got to put the ball there on first down now because right. that, well, that was the demarcation. Um, sure. And, but, and, if it's, and if it's close, and, and this is the other thing, and, and you're good at this and, and all the good wingmen's are, but don't make me guess from 15 yards away right if, if yeah. it's close and you're going to put it on a hash on a half or a hash be there with me and let me put it on your foot rather than me trying to do the the perpendicular in my head from while you're still standing on the sideline i mean right. I, we want we need to be standing in the same spot and putting the ball in the same spot in a circumstance like that and you're right if it's close on a fourth down play and it ends up being a first down and it's not on the hash mark that's fine right um you know you know we're not going to cheat either direction but nine times out of ten you know we're just giving our making it harder on ourselves and doing something that no one's going to notice you know put it on a line now right we all work we all work games where there's aren't those lines <laughs> where there's yes. no lines painted except for, except for every five and then you just you know you do what you do Right, and those 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 don't matter because those are just going to be right. wherever we put it, and then 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 the only thing we got to work off of are the chains. Then anyway, so and and, and I know everybody and has different philosophies, and and I don't know that it's wrong necessarily if if I come in on a three quarter uh, three quarter, and the umpire ends up putting in a yard line if it's not a significant down or a significant right. placement that quarter yard's not going to make a big difference one way or the other. Um, I, I, I just hope, want hope. to get your, 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 your feeling on it and your, and how sure. you approach it. But what I would also say to, to a wing guy, um, you know, on a situation like that is if it doesn't matter, if it's not a significant yardage right. one way or the other, then why aren't you putting on a hash mark for the simple reason that it makes it, look better that again because you're on the sideline and i'm at the hash if your foot's on a hash and i put the ball on a hash then it's clear we've got the same exact spot if you're at half and i put it at three quarters 
just because of my eyesight or the tilt of the field or the sure. bad lights or whatever, then someone might notice that we're not in the same spot and then we look bad. Does it affect the game? No. But from a perception standpoint, if you put your foot on the line and I put the ball on the line, then everybody in the stadium knows we're in the same spot. Right. And and as a wing, I, I usually try and put it on the line um, if, if it's not significant. But if there's ever a case where I want it to be off a line, I'll usually put my foot down and then I'll wait for the umpire to look for a spot and then I'll stomp. I'll do a little stomp sure. to say, hey, look yeah. at my foot because it's not where you expect it to be. Right. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and it's one of those things that, you know, as you get more comfortable working with different guys, you you know who is going to put it on a line when it's not important and who's going to put it in between when it is um, and then and, and react accordingly. Sure. sure. Well, Jeff, I, I, I appreciate uh, you spending the time with me this evening uh, talk, talking about umpire. It, it's I always enjoy getting those games when, when I get to work as an umpire. Um, I, I don't know that I want to do it full time. But I, I, I always enjoy it when I do it. I, I know I did a couple a couple years ago in a row, and and the referee was like, "I loved having you out there as umpire. You you really controlled things. You helped me manage the game." So it, it it feels like you're in the middle of everything, and it's just a completely different feel than than the wing. So um, yeah, I every, everything goes through the umpire. Every Absolutely. you know you can have a you you can have a wing guy or a back judge who is not involved in the game at all, and you can probably get through the game okay. Everything goes through the umpire. If the umpire is not involved and is checked out, then no one has a good game. So it's important that the umpire is always on the, on the ball. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, and, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yep. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Stripes. Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, you can email us at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group, Friday Night Stripes, or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight 'Em Down by Flash Fluority, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.